0: So I was reflecting in early 2020. And I'm like, what does my next chapter look like? And I realized that what I want to do is launch 10,000 Sinduits in the next 10 years by
1: 2031. Hey, all. This is your host DJ, and welcome to Decoding IT, a show about technologists, hustlers, and the stories behind their journey to a successful tech career and how they did it. Hey, Jared, welcome to Decoding IT Show. I really appreciate you taking out your crucial time today and joining us to share your values and vision behind the Scylla Lab. And I'm really interested in learning about how you became this successful individual that you are today.
0: Well, it's my honor, man. Uh, I'm pumped to be here. Excited to uh, to share and create value for for you and your audience. And I'm an open book, so you can ask anything you want and I will I will speak my truth into it.
1: So Jared, before we move into the nitty gritty of the stuff, do you want to share a little bit about yourself and also maybe uh, the passion, the motivation that drove you to, um, to make you this great entrepreneur and uh, made you end up launching uh, Scylla Labs?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I, um, when I was 20 years old, I, I had this realization, um, which was eventually I'm going to be a dad. And um, it wasn't then, but I knew eventually. And the reason I was even thinking this way is because I was reflecting on my past. Um, My parents were through a very intense divorce when I was much younger. I'm sure there was plenty of worse divorces, but theirs was pretty bad. And when I was 20, I was thinking about how my future has to be significantly more peaceful than my past. And when I'm a dad, I want my life to be a certain way. And as I was digging into that, I realized that the single most important thing for me was freedom. Um, And when I started digging deeper into freedom, I realized that there was multiple levels of freedom that I was on a quest to create. It was time freedom, it was financial freedom, it was career freedom, it was Geographical freedom, and I felt it really empowered. It was like liberating. Like I know exactly what I want now. How do I get there? And the only path that I could conceptualize to create that level of freedom um, was entrepreneurship. So fast forward to today, uh, sixteen years later, I have a beautiful four-year-old daughter named Taylie. I have a two-year-old little rock star son named Riker, and I have that freedom: time, career, uh, financial geographical. And it's 100% because of entrepreneurship. Um, I've launched many companies in the past 16 years, I've had a number of really good runs. Um, I've had other wonderful learning experiences. Uh, But nine years ago is when it all came together. Uh, Just so that you know, and your audience knows, DJ, um, I'm a non tech tech entrepreneur. So what that means is I have a lot of tech ideas. But I am not an engineer. So I can't bring those ideas to life. So nine years ago, I had this vision for a SaaS product, a software as a service, um, but I knew I couldn't build it as a SaaS product. So I started by monetizing my skill set, which is I can write marketing copy and I can sell. So I sold myself to to, two pretty high profile people as a direct response marketing copywriter. And they said to me, if you can make this work for us you're going to be set for life and i said to them well i guess i'll be set for life because i'm guaranteeing you that i will make it work for you and i've really delivered um immensely so much so that within 14 months this company of one became massive we had over 400 active Agency clients that were paying us about $7,000 a month with a year commit. So this was like kind of like an overnight explosion. Um, And it was exciting, and the team was on fire. And we were working with fascinating people. And then in 2012, I realized that for me, this just wasn't the vision. Um, Every time we had a client say yes to joining us, I had to go out and, and hire somebody to manage that relationship. And I personally, don't like businesses that scale through hiring. And this was a business that was scaling through hiring. And I wanted to find a way to support more people. Like how could we do what we were doing with 400 or so businesses with 1 million businesses? Because I know that John or Jane Doe, small business owner, they don't have $7,000 a month to hire us, but they probably have $50 a month. So I had this vision to build the simplest marketing software in the world and then populate that software with all of the content that a business or an industry would need. But once again, I'm the non-tech tech tech entrepreneur. So I didn't know where to go. So I started interviewing different development firms. I hired one in 2013. They told me that it would cost um, $750,000 in 10 months of time to build the minimum viable product that I had in my mind. I said, let's do it. I personally funded it. I was writing a check for 75 grand a month for those 10 months. I micromanaged this this build, so I was intimately involved. And in 10 months, they turned over the product and it was half of what we agreed on from a functionality standpoint and the final invoice, which should have been $75,000 was $1.5 million. And I was like, what happened here? Because I micromanaged this. So I I called up the president of this company that I got to know a bit. And he said, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. And I'm like, it's not just is what it is. Like this is this is the lack of transparency in the space of development. I stand against it. I ended up paying a little bit more. They accepted quite a bit less just so that it would disappear there's always a silver lining in every story and i negotiated sorry are we saying dj yeah so for mine it's it's the reason i am where i am today so um there was this one person on the team his name was mani and i negotiated to hire mani um prior to working with me mani was living in india and he built a pretty big development firm in india about 100 employees Uh, he sold it in 2011 because he wanted to move to the u.s with his wife to create a great life for themselves and to start a family. And when he moved to the U S he literally was living on the end of the street where my office was. Like that's where his apartment was. He could walk to where my office was. So he could pick anywhere in the entire country that's where he was living. So we were meant to be um, this company that I hired to build the minimum viable product, hired him to come into my office. So in 2014, uh, he became my CTO. And then we started to build our own team. We hired in the U S we hired in Canada and then we also hired in India as well, because he knew how to find the right talent in India um, from the standpoint of, of development talent, like tech, tech and engineering talent. And we started to build, we started building this really meaningful product. And then I hit a wall because I realized that our team in India wasn't having the quality of life that I wanted them to, because we were only able to hire them as contractors. And I really wanted to employ them because there's all these different country benefits that they would get if they were employed, but they weren't able to participate in. So I went through a process of setting up a company in India that I would own. That company launched in 2018. It allowed us to employ our team and then that directly correlated with scaling the team and scaling Sinduit. Today, we have over 40,000 active users that are on Sinduit across 30 industries with uh, an amazing team that runs the day-to-day of the company. Um, in 2020, I realized that I've become obsolete at Synduit, which should be every entrepreneur's dream is to not be needed. It was definitely mine, and I wasn't only not needed, I wasn't wanted. The team said, Jared, we got this, like go and do your next big audacious thing in this world. So I was reflecting in, in early 2020, and I'm like, what does my next chapter look like? And I realized that what I wanna do is launch 10,000 Sinduits in the next 10 years by 2031. So I called up Mani and I said, Mani, I have something I wanna launch with you if you're open. I said, I wanna launch 10,000 tech companies with you by 2031. And he's like, that sounds amazing, but what does that even mean? So I said, we're gonna launch a company called Sela Labs and Sela Labs is gonna be an incubator, but not like every other incubator out there. What's gonna be different is people are gonna to come to us with their ideas they're gonna pitch their ideas. And if we believe in the person, And we believe the idea solves a big enough problem in the world and there's not that much competition and there's a clear path to go to market and scale. We're going to launch a new company with this person. We're both going to have equity in this company. And then we are going to build the entire company at cost from the development side to go to market, to scale, to exit. And that's India cost. So it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what it would actually cost. So. Monty was like, oh my gosh, this is this is literally amazing, let's go. So about six months ago, we opened up the portfolio. We've had about 275 pitches in the past six months, which is quite a few pitches because we haven't really put a lot of energy into getting pitches. Uh, we have said yes to 10% of the deals. So we have over 20 tech companies that we've launched limitless scale tech, disruptive technology that's gonna change millions of lives. And we are now officially on the journey to launch 10,000 tech companies by 2031
1: absolutely i wish i could applaud so loud right now because i'm kind of pumped just by listening to you and your dreams and your vision and uh, that is uh, tremendously amazing um being said that i know um that what you're trying to do is something so amazing because not everybody has that kind of money and cash even though they have a billion dollar or million dollar idea uh, you know that like the ceo of spank says that everybody has that million dollar idea it's just that how you can implement it. Um, and having something like, um, the Silla labs is, is much needed in today's market. If you want your invoice to be strictly to what you want it to be, and not half one and a half million, even though the proposed or estimated cost was 75,000, like you said, um, one thing I would ask is, and I'm pretty sure that you must have heard this question before. Um, what would you want to tell those kind of folks, who might have a million dollar, billion dollar idea, but they might be sitting in the corner um, grabbing, hold on to their idea, thinking that if I go to a startup incubator and if my idea is super great and the startup incubator might reject their idea, but in turn can spin up and use their idea and launch a company that can turn into the next unicorn. Um, I believe people have those sort of fear. So what would you like to tell uh, tell them?
0: So here, here's reality. And I, I actually have this conversation often. So it's a great question. Um, ideas have no value. Like there's just none. Like we all think asked, like in the idea phase, um, will you sign a non-disclosure? And I, we won't do it like ever because the idea serves no purpose and we'll never steal someone's idea. And it'll never happen. Like, so much so that we've even had people pitch us on ideas that were horrible ideas, but they ended up becoming a catalyst for like a really good idea that looked nothing like their original idea. And we still have them as a partner. Like, that's how in integrity we are when it comes to the source of the idea. But here's what I ultimately stand against I stand against ideas in the graveyard. There has never been more potential in history than in the graveyard because most people die with it inside. And they die with it inside because of limiting beliefs, doubt, uncertainty. And every person on the planet is meant to be a tech entrepreneur. And I wanna make sure this lands for everybody. Everybody on the planet is meant to be a tech entrepreneur. My mom doesn't even know how to use her mobile device. And she is on a quest to launch a tech company because what that actually means is you see something that's inefficient, you see a solution for the inefficiency, and then you can communicate it. And almost every inefficiency in the world can and should be solved with technology. So if you are someone right now that sees an inefficiency, you have a vision for the solution, and you can articulate what needs to transpire, it is a disservice to yourself to your future family or your current family, and to humanity for you not to bring that to life. And if the reason you're not is the fear that either someone is going to step on your idea and say it's just not worthy or steal it, it's a disservice that these limiting beliefs are what are preventing you from potentially building something that changes your lives and many other lives as well. The key though, is to find a partner. I don't believe anyone's meant to do what I did, where literally I was a solo founder that is a non-tech tech tech entrepreneur that built a tech company. No one should do that. That was a very painful process. It cost two years and $2 million that I actually threw away to rebuild the platform. Like that was my story. Like that was a piece I didn't share, but I had to throw it away because I didn't know what I didn't know. And there's a certain point with technology that you accumulate so much technology debt. That it makes more sense to start over than to try to fix the debt. And that was my story. So, most people don't live to tell that story. I made it to the other side, which is why I'm on a mission to have anybody with an idea either find a trusted co founder that can support them or just work with Silo Labs. And I mean that, and that's not a sales pitch. I just know we can bring ideas to life. That's what I know. But it doesn't mean you have to work with us, find a trusted co founder to work with and stop sitting on your idea, bring mm-hmm. the idea to the market.
1: So correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm, what I'm hearing in a nutshell is you're saying that don't just go all in, at least have some sort of a background knowledge uh, in, in the technology, whether it is, you know, going to a boot camp or maybe finding a mentor who can guide you to the technology process and uh, then take a step into it so that you have a little bit of the background knowledge on how the technology works or how the kind of programming language works and something like that. I would tell them to
0: find a mentor or um, donate time to tech startups, like get in the weeds of one that's doing it so that you can begin to understand everything from sprint planning to the various ways that, that software is built and written to the different technology stacks that are available, like educate yourself. Um, and the most effective way to do that is either going to a boot camp, like what you're saying. But I would yes. even say just go directly to a tech company, find a mentor, find someone that's been there, done it. I have people reaching out to me all the time, that want mentorship, and we give opportunities for people to, to learn, we get them in the trenches of doing things, we, we give yeah. them Jobs, whether to go to market positions, so they can actually see tech companies go from idea to reality. Like you need like boots on the ground experience, so that you can start to really educate yourself on what it means to build a tech company. Um, and then from there, it's either find someone that can support you in the areas that you can't support yourself, or something like a SEAL. I've never seen anything like this, but something like a if you're going to actually bring it to life. But find yeah. a mentor and or get in the weeds of an actual tech company so that you can really see how it happens, like understand the evolution.
1: Absolutely. Because one more thing that I like to, you know, share with my audience and the people who are, you know, trying to get into um, tech or whatnot, right? I always tell them don't, uh, because the way the boot camps and many things, many companies are marketing, that you know a definite a six-figure salary and this and that, I always I always share that with my audience and 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 my uh, students sometimes that you know don't chase the money you know chase chase the technology chase the value that you your ideas uh, can add um, instead of just worrying about the, what salary it's gonna bring because salary and everything is there today and may not be there tomorrow, but a knowledge uh, will always be there with you and can help you to do and achieve uh, many different things. Uh, do you want to add anything to what I said or what my belief is?
0: I, I happen to agree with you. I think it's that's pretty comprehensive. Um, I, here's here's like my call to action for your audience. Just do it like think of through where is there something inefficient in your life or in the life of people that you care about What do you wish could happen that can't happen and then start to talk about it and just the act of doing that, putting out into the universe the inefficiency and the solution and what you want to see happen. Start going and meeting people and reach out on LinkedIn to people that you feel could support your mission and what you're trying to create in this world. Just don't sit on the idea, like just don't. We often get people pitching us on ideas they sat on for years. And it plagues me when I see that. I'm like, you sat on this idea for three or four or five years. Like, that's mind boggling to me. Like, I want people that have the idea on a Monday to pitch me on a Tuesday, and we launch an LLC on Wednesday, and we have a minimum viable product in 90 days. Like, the speed of implementation is so critical in a world that has so much innovation right now. And people that are out there that have ideas, play your part, like, be part of that process. It's really cool to use technology. It's even cool to own it. So give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance to do it and either get mentors to support you. get in the trenches of a tech company so you can like see the evolution of it. Find a co-founder that represents a your wax. I talk often to entrepreneurs about the whole premise of everybody's a candle. They have like their flame and they have their wax and their wax is what keeps them stuck and their flame is where like their fire is lit. The problem is most people Absolutely. just live in their wax. Like they're just so stuck. Like 98% of their day is wax and 2% of their day is flame. If you were to ask me to assess my day, I'm like 99.999% flame, almost 0% wax. So I find people where my wax is their flame and I give them the opportunity to stay in their flame so I don't have to be in my wax. And then together we're flame Mm -hmm. and we build this bonfire and that's really important. As you step into the space of tech, if you're a non-tech that has tech ideas, you have a flame, find somebody else that has a flame that's your wax.
1: That's awesome, I, I love this analogy, uh, for sure. I heard this for the very first time and I think I love it, um, I'm sure my audience love it too. So before we continue, a quick detour here. So Jared, tell me if somebody who is listening today might have this idea that they wanna implement and they wanna take this Scylla uh, Labs route. So what would the process uh, looks like to get uh, to get to you guys? And so for example, if I have an idea on Monday, what is that I have to do to kickstart my, um, you know, the development process?
0: Awesome, yeah. So the process is actually really fun and I, I encourage everybody to do it because like the worst case is it's a few minutes of your time, um, but go to Scylla partner dot com. So seal of And when you're there, you'll see there's a there's a form there. Just fill out this form. Um, what this form does is it kicks off the process and a member of our team might reach back out to you. If what you completed um, wasn't completely clear to them, or they'll schedule a time to talk with you. Uh, it's an ideation session, we want to have a better understanding of why this matters to you. We want to get to know you a bit in that ideation session. Remember, there's four things we look for whenever we're about to partner with a co-founder, the first thing is the character of that person. So we have these calls to like assess their character. Are they someone that we want to get married to? So we're literally launching a company with you if we do. Um, that's a really critical thing. The next factor is how big of a problem is this solving? So we, this is where we start bringing in our engineers a little bit to just kind of assess technological viability, Um, what other solutions kind of exist within the space of tech that potentially we could model. The third pillar is competition. So is this something that's just like one pixel better than, than anyone else? Or is this like distinctively different? And the final pillar is the path to market. Like, is there a clear path to get to that end user and then go and scale from that point? So that first call, we really try to assess quite a bit of that. And then we bring on other people to review the submission we will often ask the co-founder to record a quick video selling us on this solution like that's a great exercise for you to get comfortable selling whatever it is that you want to build Um, and if it passes each of these steps then i get on the call Um, And in that process, we're really trying to see, are we the right partners? And that's where I'm trying to convince you to say that we're not like, because I want you to say, hells yes, you are. So I'm like really trying to see how badly you want to work with us and see if I want to work with you as well, because I am very intimately involved with different companies. And if it's a yes, literally, we spin up a company, an LLC within 24 to 48 hours. Operating agreements are issued between Sela and you as a co-founder um, tech teams are built. Every product that we build, every company that we build has a team of 15 to 20 dedicated engineers that are your tech team forever. Like this is the team that's going to bring this product to life. And then we begin the process of building for minimum viable, go to market, scale, and then exit within one to five years.
1: Amazing. And uh, for the for the listeners, I'll make sure some of the details that Jared shared with us, I'll make sure to add it in the description so that you can have it handy just in case you're pumped to create the next big, big thing. Um, So thank you for sharing, Jared. Um, So, uh, you know, this whole last year was kind of a little unprecedented time for all of us. And how did, in in where companies like, you know, Airbnb, this and that kind of reducing their workforce 25%, how in this I would say crazy times. You were still able to continue with this passion, the 99.9% flame. How how were you able to continue with that mindset that the flame, you know, uh, was never gone and was always alive with the same uh, consistency?
0: So I, I, in March when this was all happening, um, I, I came out with this like bold statement, and I wrote about it and recorded video content around it, and I was talking about how. COVID is happening for us and not to us. Most people feel like a victim to, to what transpired. And I am very empathetic to anyone that lost a family member or got sick. I'm very empathetic to that fact. But I'm also very aware that this was the single greatest year of my life. Um, every, everything that I'm doing scaled immensely. Sila was born in COVID. Like this launch, this company launched in COVID. We did a funding round in COVID and brought on a team of investors that is unheard of like from their, like what they've done prior to this point. We've launched 20 tech companies during COVID. So you may ask how? I saw this happening for me, not to me. I saw this as an opportunity to eliminate even more inefficiencies that emerged. One of the greatest things about COVID is it's the ultimate exposure. Like it's exposed truth. It exposed truth around people's character, It exposed truth around people's fear. It exposed truth on an industry level. There are more blaring inefficiencies that exist today than before COVID. So for me, it's opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And for you, it's opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Because those inefficiencies need a solution. And someone will solve it. Like someone. I just hope it's you listening. I hope it's you saying like there's an inefficiency and I'm not going to wait for somebody else to solve it. And instead, I'm going to take the initiative and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to solve that inefficiency. So it wasn't me like, it wasn't a headspace thing. It was a full out execution mode thing. To give other context, because it wasn't like I wasn't impacted. Um, Sinduit has 40,000 users that are all small business owners, most of which are brick and mortar businesses. Um, Most of those businesses were not able to be opened, especially in March and April and May and they needed a marketing software still, but they had zero income coming in. So we just gave free service to whoever needed free service. We lost a million dollars in 2020 um, just by giving away free service and or people having like their annual plan renewal and they just didn't renew because there was just no certainty whether they'd ever be opened again. So we lost a million dollars, but I didn't harp on what we lost. I I focused on all of the things that we gained. Sindu had an up year during COVID, we grew immensely on the back end of the year. Uh, We built incredible rapport with our users that were suffering because we were there, present to support them in their suffering. And I wanna make sure this lands. We launched Cila Labs, 20 tech companies. We launched an angel investor network in December of last year to support our tech companies Mm -hmm. with financing. This month, we're launching our own crowdfunding platform. So our own version of Indiegogo to support with um, proving that ideas have merit so what does this all boil down to? It's not, oh my gosh, Jared, you're amazing. I just execute. I don't wait to be told what to do. I don't sit in complacency. I don't second guess myself. I just keep on executing. And everyone has the ability to do that if you get out of your own way. So that's what I looked at. COVID happened for me, not to me. And once again, I empathetic mm-hmm. to anyone that's suffering, anyone that's lost somebody, my heart goes out to you, but execute. Let it
1: happen for you and not to you. That's that's simply just great. That's all I can say. There is nothing more to add on. Just go out there and do your stuff, you know, and just because even even today, uh, with like you said, you know, uh, COVID also uh, apart from the families that may have been impacted, I really feel bad and empathetic towards them. But uh, with COVID, Also, we got more time uh, to, you know, stay and kind of like reflect on our personality uh, and think of what we can do with all this time that we have in our hand. Well, like that's it's
0: it's, what you said is huge, right? But I think that that's also one of the problems is that people use this as an opportunity just to reflect. And I think that's important. Like I did a ton of reflection. I did a ton of what matters most, but I did even more execution. I did even more action. I wasn't like, and this is not about me. This is about every one of you listening, right? Because I am no different than anyone. I am by far not the smartest dude in the world. I am definitely not technical by any means, but I do take action. And because of that, just to give like context, like action is a magnet. Like people want to be around action. People want to be around energy. We have top MBA programs that are in the States, like the top of the top, that are partnering with See Labs. Because they want to introduce Seal Labs as a strategic partner to all of their students and graduates to bring ideas to life. We're partnering now with angel investor networks inside of the top MBA programs because all of them have their own angel investor networks, so that we can then help bring ideas to life, get them to minimum viable, cash flow positive, and then move them into the angel investor network. We're partnering with other tech incubators that are saying no to things that are in idea phase that we want to say yes to why is that happening? Like, this is not that old of a company, it's six months old. It's because energy and action are magnets. So sitting complacently and only reflecting is not going to be a magnet for opportunity, but you stepping into action will, because the people around you are attracted to that.
1: Definitely. Um, with whatever you said, I thought of one of the, one of my favorite movies, which is this, a star is born, uh, casting Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Not sure if you've seen that, but they say in, in that movie, he says that, you know, we all have that 12 notes in musical world and it's just how you play it. Um, same, similar way. We all have 24 hours and it's just, just how you just are focusing on the theory or you are working on the action. Um, and uh, just like you said, I focus on action and I like to, you know, fail fast so that I know that that direction or that thing doesn't work instead of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then fail when it's kind of like too late.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Like, I, I, and everyone can do this, right, man? Like, like everyone, like, I, I hear from people often, like, well, Jared, that's because you have a team or you have all this success, like you have this, you have that. But listen, I got here because of action. Like, and listen, COVID happened like in, in, the one thing about like this past year is no one was immune to it. Like everyone was impacted by it. Like if everybody were to write the story of their life, this is a chapter of every living person's story right now. Like 2020 is, everybody has that one chapter. Like it's the first time in human history, but like everybody has that one chapter. So what is written in that chapter for you? Like, was it a catalyst or was it an anchor? Like, and it's one or the other, like there's like, there's no one, there's no middle ground here, right? And I am no different than anybody. I just always am taking action. And I'll give like one more example of this, because this is not a me thing. This isn't any one thing. I had the vision of launching an angel investor network the day before Thanksgiving of 2020. I realized that some of our our portfolio companies needed early stage investment capital, and I have a huge network of people, but I didn't want to call individual people to fund these individual companies. So I said, I'm going to launch an angel investor network that can fund these companies by actually getting people to join a membership to gain access to deals. The idea came to me on the day before Thanksgiving. I shared it with my team. They're like, awesome, we should launch this thing in January or February. I said, no, enjoy the holiday weekend. And we're launching it a week from the day we get back. And in seven days, we launched an angel investor network, which is like a four minute mile because it's it's like, it was deemed impossible. There's legal aspects to it. There's building websites and portals. And I mean, there's like 200 steps to launch an angel investor network. And we did it in seven days. So there's no difference between me and anyone that's listening to this, other than I just always take massive action, always like seismic, uncomfortable action, because it gets me to where I want to get to, in service of what I'm trying to create, which is not for me, it's for everybody else
1: that I'm supporting as well. No, definitely. And so, in the in the beginning, you said when you were 20 years old, you know, you had when you're gonna have kids, you want to be all certain sort of freedom. So, was this the kind of like a main? turning point, that thought process that made you, you know, get up in the morning and thought, hey, I'm going to shift my journey. Uh, uh, I'm going to do something uncomfortable. Or was it something like even more than that, that kind of triggered those uh, thought process and passion that still alive with you for 16 years, and I'm pretty sure it's going to stay with you forever?
0: It was my kid. It was it was the kids that I didn't have. Um, like it, it was truly that. I... The single most and only thing that matters to me are my kids. I give up all of this Mm -hmm. for that. Like if the only thing that'll ever stop me is if my kids say, dad, it's time to stop. Like that's it. That's the only thing that stops me. But I have incredible boundaries in my life. So at five o'clock every day, I am dad and I'm unreachable. Like it's, there's no meetings. There's no calls. Like there's nothing, like nothing ever violates that boundary and on the weekends, completely. So it might look and sound like, oh my goodness, this this is this hustler, like nonstop, 24-7, 365. Like that is not what this looks like. Um, so what got me here was the fact that I knew eventually I would be a dad. And I don't know why that was the single most important thing in the world to me, but it was the single most important thing in the world to me, was I would not miss one thing when my kids were born. And every decision that I made prior to that from like, the late nights working to the partnerships to the risk that I would take was with that Mm -hmm. vision in mind. And then my daughter was born a little or four years ago. And I declared I'm dad now. And I stepped into that. And I everything I did up to that point gave me the ability to have the freedom that I declared earlier on in life. But that was it for me. I believe everybody has a North Star. I believe everybody does. I believe most people don't know what that North Star is. So as a result, Mm -hmm. they don't know where they're going. Find your North Star. And it might not be the fact that you its your children. Like, it doesn't make you a bad person if that's not what it is. It could be something else. Like, there could be some other North Star that is, like, the only thing you can see. It's your plan A. There's no plan B. You're going to get that plan. Figure out your North Star. Because knowing your North Star is what keeps you going when that little voice shows up to try to slow you down. Because I'm also not immune to that. I wake up, and every single day, the first thought that enters my mind, and I have done a ton of personal development, so the first thought that enters my mind every day is doubt. Do I actually have what it takes to do what I'm doing? That's the first thought. My second thought is, hells, yes, I do, and I immediately shift my paradigm, but that thought of doubt shows up all throughout the day, like all throughout the day. There's like these moments where I question, like, can I do it? Oh, my goodness, do I have what it takes? Like... Is this really going to make it? Like, I am not immune to the thoughts that every single one of us have. I love those thoughts. Those thoughts humble me, they ground me, and they catalyze me forward. So, I share all of this because the last thing that I want is for anyone to say, Oh my goodness, like, this, this guy's unbelievable. I could never do what he You can do what I do just by taking seismic action and having the North Star that matters to you so that even when it gets tough, you still have your North Star to drive you forward.
1: Definitely definitely agree with you on that Um, are there any final takeaway points that you would like to share with the audience
0: yeah so um i'm going to be repetitive because i i want to make sure that if there's anything that you take away this is what you take away please don't die with your ideas inside and it's not for me and it's not a a pitch for sila it's for you the single greatest like reservoir of potential is the graveyard. People just die with this untapped access inside. And it's because they were too afraid. They weren't good enough. They weren't fast enough. Limiting belief showed up. That's my call to action for you. And I hope for at least one person, it really strikes a chord. We are like, I'm done with not going after my greatness. I'm done with not extracting my genius. I'm done with just sitting on this concept and you execute. And that's the call to action, which is wildly repetitive because it's also the theme of this entire interview is execute on your ideas. No difference between like the person listening to this and the founder of Slack that just sold for $28 billion. They just executed on it. There's no difference between the person listening to this and, and the company that they never even heard of that sold for $17 million Like there's other between the person listening to this and the person that goes out and raises a million dollars for a cause that they believe in. But the one difference is just they didn't die with their potential inside. Don't be that person. Execute on your potential.
1: All right. With that being said, thanks everyone for listening. And if you want to connect with Jared, I will make sure to add his LinkedIn in the description. Also, if you like listening to us, then feel free to follow us on all the social media and hopefully subscribe to us it helps me create the content like this and it drives me to bring out folks like jared and other people to share their journey uh, from being a non-tech to now a successful tech entrepreneurs or uh, software developers and whatnot so thanks again for listening this was your host dj mike drop